Let's open our Bibles to Psalms, chapter 145. We're going to start with verse 1 and read through verse 10. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of the great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. The central theme of these five chapters is to praise the Lord. Matter of fact, we find that phrase 44 times in these five chapters. And if you look from chapter 146 through chapter 150, each one of these chapters starts with the command... Praise ye the Lord and ends with the same command to praise the Lord. Now, I know collectively we understand that we're to praise the Lord, but individually I think we need to examine ourselves this morning and ask, am I continually praising the Lord? What comes out of our mouth normally are negative comments and criticism and gossip and careless conversation and matter of fact, if we talk about praise, the average person, the average Christian, the child of God that's been saved for a decade doesn't even know how to praise the Lord. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So whatever inside is going to come out through the mouth and praise is something more than just a thought. It's going to be vocalized. And let me ask you this. Quickly examine the past week of your life. Was there any praise that came out of your mouth? It's amazing how quickly we are to praise man for limited ability, a talent, or some kind of special ability. This past week, there in Brackenridge, they had an orchestra that would play and practice every day. And as we'd walk by, you could hear them, and there were some amazing talents in the group, the pianist and the the main cello player, and as you watched and listened to that group, you'd say, wow, not only did they put a lot of practice and time into that, but someone was born with a lot of natural talent to reach that level. And the crowd would stand and cheer and clap, and several times at the end of the concert, they would clap, and it would be so extended that the conductor would come back out, and the group would once again, the orchestra would once again play the song, and everyone again would clap and cheer and stand. Now we're talking about someone who has a one-dimensional talent. They can take a bow and play it on a musical instrument and make beautiful music. But God, the maker, the creator of all, rarely gets a standing ovation. Rarely gets any praise, any applause. It's amazing how quick we are to praise someone because they have the ability to take a round ball and put it through a round hoop 
And even after failing you repeatedly, after the end of the season, the majority of people are disappointed because that special talent failed you in the end. At the end of the game, the last minute, the last shot, he made so many other shots go through, but that one didn't fall, and now you're upset. But we praise man because he can hit a fastball that's thrown at 100 miles an hour, and we actually will put a picture of that person with one-dimensional talent. Now we're talking about a person who has no talent outside of throwing a ball or hitting a ball or shooting a basketball. Outside of that, we could talk about their moral failures, their character flaws, and the multitude of deficiencies that are found in their life, but simply because they have some athletic ability, we praise them. Amazing how 80,000 people gather in a stadium and not sit down for hours, cheer and scream until they're hoarse and clap until their hands hurt. They'll brave 40-degree weather, sleep, Rain, snow, sun, because someone has a special ability and they feel the need to praise that person for their physical talent. But God, the maker of the universe, rarely receives any praise. Now, it's amazing that we don't feel uncomfortable in the setting of a stadium praising or cheering a man simply because he caught a pass made a basket or hit a home run. We don't feel awkward screaming and clapping and cheering in that situation, that atmosphere. But God who commands us to praise him, even in an environment like a church environment that is conducive for praise, surrounded by Christians, we don't even have the world staring at us. We're talking about a building that is enclosed with Christian music being sung and pianist playing, we still need a music director to pump us up and try to get us to open our mouths and lift up our voices and praise the creator of the universe. You think it'd be natural. He is the giver and sustainer of life. If it weren't for anything else but your salvation, you think that a Christian would be willing to praise. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. My fear is this. After having meditated on these passages for the past four or five days, I've come to this conclusion. I wonder about the reality of God in our lives. Because when God is real and we understand his personality and character, it would be natural to praise him. We naturally... Praise those people that we admire and respect and adore. Now, if we look at our conversation over the past few months, you praised someone or something. Who did you praise? The person that you respected, that you admired. And this is the identifying characteristic of a true child of God. Because let me just say this. Anyone, you don't even have to be right with God. Anyone can preach and teach this book. And you don't even have to be right with God. You can witness and pass out a track 
and not even be right with God. You can attend church, hold up a Bible, read that book, and not even be right with God. And many of us have done that, hopefully for not an extended period of time. But you know as well as I do, that doesn't make you right with God because that is a service that is man to man and it's easy to fool man. So whatever you do for man or to man doesn't have to be done out of a pure heart with right motives. But prayer and praise is different because that's man to God. So if you want to know where you're at spiritually, let's talk about your prayer and praise. We too often qualify our spiritual life by our service to man. But the bottom line is we know. We know what's going on inside and God knows as well. Isn't man easy to fool? Well, at least we think man's easy to fool for the most part. Aren't you glad that people don't judge your motives? But God knows. Now, if you want to know where you're at spiritually, tell me about your past week, about your past month, about your past year, and the time that you have spent in prayer and in praise to an almighty God. Now you can qualify your spiritual life. Think about your conversation and how much Negativity comes out of our mouths. Oh, we talk about the situation of our government and our nation and our financial woes and our health and our problems. Listen, if you want to change your life, you can change your habit and start your day with praise. God is still good despite your circumstances. He's still worthy to be praised no matter what's happening in your life. And here's the danger. Faith and praise are connected. Look what it says in Psalms 146. These are things that will stop us from praising God. Verse 1, praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, David has made a determination, and he says, while I live, will I praise the Lord, I will sing Praises unto my God while I have any being. Now, here's what I don't understand. In a church setting, we put everything in place for you to praise God. We put a hymnal in your hand. We put songs of worship. Now, most people don't even know how to praise God. So we put a hymnal in your hand with the words so you can actually recite and praise God. Words written by another person that glorify and honor God. We put a hymn book in your hand and a song that says, How Great Thou Art. And yet, with a great director and great talent, great musicians and great pianists, to help you motivate you to praise the Lord, you still can't find a way to do it. I don't understand, I'll never understand how someone could come in out of this world into a church setting, sit there like a bump on a log, a straight, stern face, upset and determined there's no way anybody in this place can force me to praise God. I mean, I've watched people for years hold a hymn book with a face and a heart and a mind and a will determined there is no one in this place that will manipulate me into praising God. I'm still trying to figure out why you came. This is a house of praise, a place of worship. And the same person I know every 
personality is different, but that same person that says, that's just not my personality, that's just not my disposition, I'm stoic, I'm staid, I'm not emotional. Let me just say this, if you're a born-again child of God and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, when it comes to the things of God, you'll get emotional. You'll get emotional over a fishing trip. You'll get emotional over a football game. You'll get emotional over a touchdown pass. You'll get an emotional over a championship. You'll get emotional over a new car, a new job. But when it comes to the things of God, you're stoic. I'm praising the Lord on the inside. No, you're not. In my heart, I am worshiping. I don't believe it. Because what's on the inside will come forth on the outside. He said, praise ye the Lord. Now, here's why people don't want to praise God. Because it, praise humbles us. Here's what I'm convinced of. Praise glorifies God, frustrates Satan, but more than that, crucifies the flesh. That's why it honors God. You actually have to crucify the flesh. I mean, if you actually lifted a hand in praise, you'd have to crucify your flesh. I may look silly. You may. You may actually hurt your pride. This world has intimidated us, and I'm positive that a tactic of the devil to shut down obedience to the command to praise the Lord is based on intimidation. We've allowed this Pentecostal crowd to intimidate us and keep us from praising the Lord because what they've done is wrong. Now listen, I believe in clapping of the hands. I believe in lifting, now here's what the Bible says, holy hands. Now don't walk outside a church and lift a beer with those hands or smoke a cigarette with those hands do something you shouldn't do with those hands and then walk into the house of God and lift hands the Bible says lifting holy hands there's a big difference but that still is Bible and here's what we don't like that makes us uncomfortable yeah I'll tell you why it makes you uncomfortable because you're full of the flesh and the flesh is uncomfortable with anything done in the spirit Better be careful about what you talk about is right and what is wrong because a Bible principle is clear as praising God found from Genesis to Revelation is a rare component to our worship. Rarely found in the house of God. The Bible does say, Psalms 40, David said, he has put a new song in my heart. If you don't have a new song, maybe you don't have a new heart. You ought to try opening this hymn book. You say, I can't sing. We know that. That's not the issue. Make a joyful noise is the command. A noise is all you have to make. Some of you just make a joyful squeak. Do something that is joyful. Do you know the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God will lead you to praise and if you're full of the Spirit, you'll be filled with praise. Let me ask you this. Would anybody confuse you for a Spirit-filled or a praise-filled Christian? Would anybody say, Boy, oh, that person just loves to praise God. Or would they say, I've never seen or heard him praise God. You better check out your Christianity if that is the case. When should we praise God? Look what it says in verse 2 of chapter 145. Every 
day uh, will I bless thee. Did you know that praise isn't something that should only happen Sunday morning when you have a hymn book in your hand? Now, if you don't practice on Monday and Tuesday, you're going to find it very difficult to do on Sunday. You ought to be lifting up your hands. You say, well, I just can't do it in a church environment. I'm just too embarrassed. Why don't you try it in a private environment? First of all, you've got to start with devotions. You've got to start with a personal walk. You've got to open up this book. You've got to pray. But in there, you should praise and you should lift your hands. You say, why would you raise your hand? Have you ever seen a child? Mothers love this. When you call their name, that child that is a year, 18 months old, when they've learned to walk, they come and they outstretch their hands and moms love it. You know why that child is saying, pick me up, carry me, hold me, love me. Did you know a heavenly father loves it as much as a mother does? When a child of God will lift his hand. Listen, if you're so proud, you can't even do that in private. You've got some spiritual problems. Oh, we like to quote the Bible, except the parts that go against our flesh. And if you find any Bible command repeated more often the command to praise, I want to know about it. Read your Bible. Study these words out. The command is constant. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, we're quick to gossip. My, we're quick to criticize and find fault. We can talk for hours about the negative things of life. Some of you, if I get you started on the problems in society, the ills of this government, the problems in your home, the heartaches in your health, you can talk for hours and I'd have to walk away and stop the conversation. But if I said, let's praise the Lord, in two seconds, you're finished. There's no command in this book to criticize. I'm sorry, I just ruined some of your day. There is no Bible command to gossip. You ought to get a philosophy of life that says I start my day with praise. And here's what you can do until you learn to praise. Get a handbook. Don't steal one from the church auditorium, please. We have enough of that happening. Get a hymn book and sing through a hymn of praise until you get in the habit. Why should we praise his name? Look what it says in verse 3. We ought to praise him for his greatness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in his greatness is unsearchable look what it said in chapter 147 verse 4 he telleth the number that starts he calleth them all by their names have you ever gotten out on a dark night and taken a look at the stars you've been astounded how many of his kids tried to count the stars wouldn't you be impressed if you got with someone who began to point out star by star and could tell you their names tell you exactly how many there were and what ones were invisible tonight. And my wife asked me this past week, there was a bright star. I know it was a planet. I just don't know which one because my mother wasn't there to tell me. <laughs> my wife said, what star is that? And I said, it's a planet. It's <clears throat> Neptune. <laughs> she said, how do you know? Because I just know those things. I don't know what planet it was. I couldn't tell you the name of one star. 
But isn't it amazing that we can't praise the maker of the stars? Not only can he call them by name, he named them, he created them. Verse 5, great is our Lord and of great power his understanding is infinite. You ought to meditate on the greatness of God and lead you to praise him. I mean, if you don't know of anything else, just go to the Bible examples. God gave a woman at age 90 a child. It's a great God. When the children of Israel came to the Red Sea, they knew their path was blocked. They all fell down in despair and began to cry. It would have been better for us to have stayed in Egypt instead of dying at the hands of the Egyptians. And God said, stop your boo-hooing. That great body of water parted. Not only that, that ground that had not been dry for hundreds of years suddenly was rock solid. A million and a half Jews were whisked across. And then when the enemy tried to do the same thing, mystically, magically, miraculously, those waters came down on top of them. God didn't even sweat. Now, if you want to know what kind of feat that is, with all our modern technology, try to repeat that. Man still can't. Tries to explain it away because it's something they can't understand. No, that was the Reed Sea. That was 18 inches of water. Even if we're 18 inches of water, how do you kill an entire Egyptian army and their horses in 18 inches of water. He is still a miraculous and mighty God. I mean, when Joshua was out there fighting the army, he said, we just can't defeat the enemy in a day. There's not enough daylight for us to do our duty. And he said, God, would you give me a solution? And God said, sure, I'm just going to make the sun stand still. How is it that a man can take a ball this big, a foot in diameter, and throw it through a hoop, and 38,000 people in millions watching on TV will scream and shout because of a ball this big that any of you can throw into a hoop? And the maker of the universe looks at the sun and says, hey, be still for a minute. Do you realize that all the planets are in motion. God didn't even sweat. He said, that's all you want? Not a problem, Josh. <laughs> we ought to praise God for his greatness. If we'll praise Mrs. Simpson for doing a fantastic job on that piano, shouldn't we praise a God who made the woman that played the piano and made the substance so man could make a piano? How much more worthy is he of being praised? How is it that we just find ourselves at a total loss? Words to say. Now here's the main issue when it comes to praise or lack of praise in our lives. Look what it says in verse 13. His greatness extends throughout the universe. His kingdom, the Bible says, thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. You know why we praise God? 
We praise God because our perspective is right. We understand God is on the throne. If you go to Revelation, don't do that this morning because of lack of time. The Bible says there was a door that was open and God ushered John up from the Isle of Patmos and he showed him heaven and the first thing John saw was one sitting, one sitting on the throne. And that was not a president or a king or a dictator. Here's our problem. We actually think Obama is on the throne. We actually think Putin or one of these world leaders is on the throne. And the Bible says God is on the throne. If you look back at the greatest conquerors and world leaders in the history of this planet, you'll find out their reign only lasted for 20 or 30 or 40 or in some cases 50 years. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, who ruled the Babylonian Empire for 40 plus years. He's given credit for the hanging gardens, for the destruction of the first temple. Do you remember, keep your finger here in Psalms 145. Go with me because I want you to read what the sovereign ruler of the universe said and did. Because Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up in pride. Daniel chapter 4. And God said, I will take your throne from you. Verse 33, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from man. He did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers. His nails like bird's claws. Can you imagine that? Here was a man that was lifted up with pride. He said, I am the world ruler of the world's greatest empire. And God said, I am the ruler of the universe. And I will put you in your place. And he began to eat grass as an ox and grew feathers like an eagle. And God left him that way for seven years. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven. Mine understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. Why is it that we honor men like Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great? Do you know Alexander the Great? Yeah, he was tutored by Aristotle when he was 16. Had one of the world's largest empires. Stretched from the Ionian Sea to the Himalayas. Did you know he died in Nebuchadnezzar's palace at age 32? What a reign. Oh, so you had several thousand square miles of dominion. And you ruled for 12 to 15 years. Bravo, bravo, bravo. You never lost the battle except for the battle of your health and your life. But the ruler of the universe that has reigned forever and will reign forever deserves much more honor and much more praise. How is it that we don't praise God is because we're looking at the rulers that are visible, not understanding there is one sovereign on the throne that's still on the throne. 
ruling and reigning. We ought to praise God for his greatness. Go back to Psalms 145, verse 8. We ought to praise God for his graciousness. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. Aren't you thankful that the Lord is gracious? You ever thought about where you could be? Can you imagine if there was no Bible that God put in your hands to show you the way of eternal life? If you were headed for hell, your life without God, your marriage, your family without the principles of this book. Can you imagine you without the presence of the Holy Spirit? Aren't you glad God is gracious? He is so gracious, he offers you unlimited forgiveness. Tell me you ever found anyone else on the planet that gracious. How many of you have married someone that gracious? Uh, there better be things you don't do because their forgiveness is limited. And so is yours. Thank God they don't know everything about you, but a God in heaven that knows everything you've ever done, not just your actions, but your thoughts. You better thank God that no one else has ever read your thoughts. But a God in heaven is so gracious. You ought to praise God for his infinite mercy. You ought to thank God he's given you eternal salvation. That's pretty amazing. Unconditional eternal life. Try that on for size. I, Adam Thompson, with all my flaws and defects, and problems and sin. I have eternal life. You'll never take it from me. You'll never take it back. You'll never change your mind. How can we not praise God for that? Don't you think if the Baptist church was the author of eternal life at some point they'd say, oh, you just lost it. And we are going to give you the requirement sheet to see if you can get it back. Good luck on that one. We'll just let you try. But you had better not mess up because we're just waiting. And we got people on your trail. And you got a wife who's going to tell us what is happening in your home. You better hope you can earn your salvation back. Yeah. Have you ever thought about the graciousness of God who says, I'll give you. I don't even care if you're raised in a Baptist home with godly parents who were stricter than Hitler. You know you don't deserve eternal life. God says, I'm going to be so gracious, I'm going to give it to you. Never take it back. I don't care how many times you have a sour spirit, I'm going to keep a good one. I don't care how lacking your love toward me will be. I'm still going to love you. I don't care if you get angry and blame me for everything that goes bad in your life. I'm going to love you and care for you. And This chapter, which we don't have time to read in its entirety this morning, speaks of the character of God and it speaks of his goodness and his righteousness and his holiness. It says he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, good to all, righteous. It's endless. That doesn't deserve praise. You can praise your mate and you can't praise God. I like what Jonah said. 
one of the classic statements in all the Bible. I remember the story of Jonah. We do you a favor so you don't have to turn over there. Some of you spend the next 20 minutes looking for that passage. He's mad. He's angry. He's so mad he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He runs the other way. In the midst of a storm, the sailors throw him over the side of the boat. He gets swallowed by a well. The well gets sick of him, spits him out. His sour spirit gave this well a sour feeling. And he throws him up on the shore and it says, Jonah goes back and preaches. He's mad. He's displeased, the Bible says exceedingly, and very angry. And here's his prayer. Listen to the frustration of his prayer. He said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled. He said, here's the reasoning. Here's why I fled. Here's why I didn't want to preach in Nineveh. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger of great kindness. And that ticks me off. That's our God. He said, I didn't even want to preach to those heathen because I knew you were so gracious you would forgive them. I knew you were so loving and so merciful you would actually save them. Isn't it amazing? Those of you that work in a prison ministry, you can go to prison and see men that have committed unspeakable deeds and there's a society out there unwilling to pardon them, but there's still a God in heaven that says... I'll forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and offer you eternal life. Boy, if you can't praise God for his graciousness, you just can't praise God. Look what it says in verse 9. The Lord is good. So we're praising God because of his greatness, because of his graciousness, because of his goodness. Now here's the key in this verse, the Lord is good to who? To all. Try that. Oh, we like to pick and choose who we're good to. Oh, the heathen, the God-haters, the God-rejecters, those that defy God, those that revile the Almighty, those that use His name in vain, uh, He is still good to. Isn't it amazing that God just doesn't starve the heathen to death? Stop their heart from ever beating. Just wipe them off the planet. You know, most people in life can find about a dozen people that they'll be good to. Make a list of the people that you would actually have over to your house for dinner. Loan your car to or pay a bill for. Give me the list. God is good to all. He said, there are no qualifiers when it comes to my goodness. There are no requirements that you have to meet. He said from the dregs of society, those that we've cast out, written off, eliminated. Listen, there are people in our own church, in our own families, in our own inner circle that don't qualify for our goodness. And God says, I'm good to all. Here's what I'm asking you this morning. Why is it that we can't praise him? Why is it that we can't formulate a single sentence? We, why is it that before a paragraph comes out of our mouth, we're already short on words? How do I praise God? You've never meditated on these things. Psalms 148. Who 
is supposed to praise him. Verse 1, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. All of heaven is to praise God. Now, if you read this book, you'll quickly come to the understanding all of heaven does praise God. Did you know you can bring a little of heaven down to this earth? Have you ever heard someone say, I don't believe in hell, my life is hell, this earth is hell. Have you ever heard that statement made? Have you ever heard someone say, my life is heaven, my home is a taste of heaven. Here's how you can bring heaven to a hell-bound, sin-cursed planet by introducing praise into your life. You can tell by several of the faces here, there's no praise on your lips. Praise him for what? Don't you see what I'm living? Don't you understand what I'm suffering? Have you never met my mate? Don't you understand how difficult my life is? I mean, I rode in a new vehicle, and I ate great food, and I have a beautiful house, and a healthy body. But what should I praise him for? I don't know, but I'm praying for your salvation. Two, praise ye him, all his angels, and they do. Praise ye him, all his hosts, and they do. Praise ye him, sun, and it does every time it shines. And the moon, every time it reflects the sun. Praise him, all ye stars of light, every time they reflect light. They're praising God, the, the heavens. Praise ye him. Heavens of heavens, ye waters that be above the heaven. And all of heaven praises God continually. But it's not just the heaven that's supposed to praise him. It's the earth as well. Verse 7, praise the Lord from the earth, ye dragons. That's some of you. You're commanded to praise him, ye dragons. <laughs> and all the deeps, fire and hell and snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word. They all do, the mountains and the hills. Boy, we were out there in Colorado this week sitting out under the majestic mountains of Colorado, smelling the pines and fishing and all of creation praises his name except man. Beasts and the cattle, the creeping things and the flying fowl, they all praise him. The kings of the earth, all people, princes and the judge of the earth, young men, maidens, old men and children, that basically means everyone. What category do you not fit in? Let them praise the name of of the Lord, his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. But really, it's Christians that have the greatest responsibility to praise God. Look what it says in 14. He also exalted the horn of his people in praise of all his saints, even the children of Israel, a people nearer unto him than what's he say to those people. Praise ye the Lord. Tell me about your praise life. Tell me about your designated prayer time and praise time. Now, if you come into a house of praise like this is, and here's your praise. Four songs, five verses. Why do you find it so difficult to praise? Why do you find it so unenjoyable to praise? Why do you find it so heart-wrenching to praise His name? When God says, Praise ye the Lord. This is life-changing. 
change your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your thinking. Some of you have been down in the dumps since you were two years old. It didn't even take a hard life. It didn't even take a bad scene. It didn't even take a problem. I mean, you were born with a lower lip to clean the carpet. You're frustrated from age three. You hated school from kindergarten. You didn't like anybody in life since the first person you met. You had a hard time dealing with your mama. You say, I just can't praise God. When you get saved and you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, something takes place. Now listen, when you have a true relationship, here's the problem. You can fake everything else in the Christian life. You can fake it. Some of you are here this morning, you're faking it. You don't want to be here. You haven't enjoyed a single moment. You can barely fake the song service, but you're here. And you're saying, I'm going to fake it and try to make it, but there's only one problem. You can fake church attendance. You can even fake Bible reading. You can fake ministry. You can fake a million things, but you can't fake praise. Not on Monday, not on Tuesday, not on Wednesday. Now tell me about your spiritual life and how much praising you did on Monday. Let's just review your conversation. Hours and hours of conversation. So much was spoken about. So many people were mentioned. So many ills in society. Things you can't even change but you were fixing the world, your endless conversations. You say, Pastor, have you seen the interest rates? Pastor, do you understand the cost of living, the increase, the cost of insurance? Pastor, have you noticed people are more vile and rude and crude? And Yes, I have noticed but I know there's still a God in heaven that sits on the throne. How is it with that God on the throne? We sit like bumps on a log, hands in our pocket, worried lines on our forehead saying, I wonder what's going to happen next. Better be careful. Someone may slap you in the back and your face may stay that way. Everyone is supposed to praise the Lord. Now, here's a question. Where? When? Psalms 149, verse 1, praise ye the Lord, say unto the Lord, new song. And his praise, where? In the congregation of the saint. Did you know when you walk in this house, this is supposed to be a house of praise? This is our summer crowd. This is with people traveling. This is with people out of town. This is a great crowd this morning in a great spirit, but we should be able to lift this roof if every person in here would get a philosophy of praise. Get over yourself. Look up to heaven. Look up to God. Put a smile on your face. Raise your hands. Oh, pastor's getting spooky on me. I'm not talking about craziness. Listen, I've been in places before where people jump and shout, run out the side door and take a lap around the auditorium and get on four legs on the, uh, on the table and bark like a dog. Listen, that's wildfire. I'm not talking about that kind of craziness. I'm talking about you understanding there's an almighty God that deserves your praise. Get over yourself. Uh, 
God hates nothing more than he hates pride. Uh, and the thing that is keeping you, do you remember when David praised God and Michael, his wife, sat back with an angry face? You say, well, he was doing the jigaboo. No, he wasn't. There was nothing fleshly about what David was doing. He was leaping and dancing. He was I don't need you dancing in the auditorium. Your body wasn't made for dancing. <laughs> but I'm not against you doing this on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. If you want to dance, go out to the woods, find yourself a park and leap and dance. Just make sure no one's around. <laughs> you will scare the living daylights out of them. But you are supposed to sing and praise him in the congregation. And even a church that knows the Bible like this church gets a little bit nervous when someone raises their hands or claps their hands and they look over and say, Woo! He got Pentecostal in him. Say, Pastor, aren't you afraid of this church going Pentecostal after a message like this? No. Because you're still a member. And you'll go home today and watch something on TV. Game 7 of the championship. That's a bad call, you idiot. You don't have eyeballs. Ref, come on. I'm not an emotional person, Pastor. If I wasn't so stoic, I'd raise my hand in the house again. Yeah, if the championship's on Tuesday, why can't you talk on Wednesday? How many ever lost your voice because of singing and praising God in the congregation of the saints? That's what I thought. This is a Bible command. Now, if you don't like worshiping God in the congregation, you just don't like the Word of God... But there's another place mentioned in this text. Look what it says in chapter 149, verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. So if you don't like to praise God publicly, try it privately. How many of you just had a praise and worship service once you hit the sack? Uh-huh, and I thought you were biblical. You know what the Bible says? You hit the sack, praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, in the congregation, I just think it's inappropriate to draw attention to myself. You know what will change you? Just praise the Lord. Did you know that we came here to praise the Lord? That's it. You know why you're here to praise the Lord? So if you walk through these doors, you sit here for an hour, and you leave, and you don't praise God, you didn't even do what you were supposed to do. I mean, literally, did you know that we can control the temperature in that pew by the AC and the heater? We don't need you to warm that seat. We need you to come here with the spirit that says, I want to praise the Lord. Yeah. Psalms 145, verse 21. This takes a personal commitment. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord he said, I am determined, I am focused, my heart is fixed, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And let me just say this, praise will be vocalized. He does say in chapter 145, I will speak, they shall speak, I will declare. They shall abundantly utter. You know what he said in Psalms 34, 1? I will bless the Lord at all times, his praise shall 
you know the verse. What's it say? Continually. Good times or bad times. Monday or Tuesday, Sunday or Saturday, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What if the next time you sat down with your family or with your friends or with someone else you know and just said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know what? Let's take one, a one-day break from our gossip, criticism, and negativity. Psalms 9, 1 and 2, I'll praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works, and we could spend an entire month of services just on the text in Psalms that speak of praise. You're going to have to make a determination. God says, praise me. You know why I had to give us a command? It's not natural. It's a commitment. What if in our homes we made a commitment and said, we're going to praise the Lord. Before we pray, before we eat, as soon as we wake up, we will praise the Lord. 